Welcome. I'm Kasada Bullman. Today, my guest is Nancy DeJora Kidd. She joins us from Tulum, Mexico. Nancy has been a DJ for over 20 years, playing sets of amazing old school deep house music. Plus, she owns and operates Sup Yoga Tulum, the first and only specialized boga yoga floating studio in the Mayan Riviera. Nancy and her team carefully curate unique private excursions, allowing visitors to experience the Caribbean Sea, cenotes, lagoons, and the Siencan Biosphere Reserve in a really beautiful way. Today, we're going to dive deep into many issues connected to Tulum. So sit back, relax, and imagine yourself on the beach. Well, and also a very awesome day. Uh, let's be real. We had a bunch of trouble, what, what, what could be perceived as audio issues and things like that, but it is a solstice and it's a really awesome day of energy that we get to share together. Aquarius, it's the age. It really is, you know, and um, the, the few times that we've attempted this and today that we're actually we're live and we're here recording. And uh, like we said, we were going to spend the solstice together. So here we are. I think it's it's poetic. It is. It is. So honored and excited to have you. Um, I'm going to dive in. So Nancy has a really inspiring story, everyone. So I'm going to just start by telling listeners about you and your path, Nancy. In your 20s, you were involved in a near-death car accident. After that accident, you made a commitment to live your life filled with passion and purpose. In 2004, you moved to Playa del Carmen, Mexico, and connected with Rob Garza from Thievery Corporation. You became full-time resident DJ for his club. After a while, you needed a slight break from nightlife, so you moved to Tulum for a more relaxed lifestyle. The combination of your love of water, yoga, and wellness came together and created stand-up paddleboard yoga Tulum or SUP Yoga Tulum. You were able to keep passion and purpose alive by continuing to DJ in Tulum and really create an ideal balanced lifestyle for yourself. First, I want to cover what the current scene in Tulum is right now. From what I know, last spring, tourism took a hit, and I read that at that point, laid-off employees received a very small amount of relief money from the government, but hospitality workers there get the majority of their income from tips, even more so than in America, so that translates to no real substantial income for them. But by fall, it seemed to be back on track. Recently, I've read articles and have seen headlines. One headline that keeps popping up is Art With Me, a four-day art and music festival that ran last month in Tulum. Allegedly, many attendees got COVID at the event and brought it back to the U.S. Interviews with some DJs from the event and, of course, lots of videos back up those interviews and show lots of maskless people in hotels, restaurants, and cenotes. 21 hotels on the beach were involved in that event. Now, I connected to everything about this headline immediately. I'm dealing with these similar issues as a restaurant owner. 2020 made me a bouncer, a nurse, a mask enforcer on top of running my restaurant. So I get it. There's a lot of frustrations on many levels. 
it appeared that these headlines came out and the blame game started into loom. Whose fault is it? The event organizers, the places hosting the events, or the customers who paid to be there, who refused to wear a mask or keep their distance. So Nancy, please give us the real deal about what's going on there. How has business been for you? Generally speaking, from who you know there, how are other businesses doing? How's the local economy? And has COVID affected Tulum in any way? Well, let's go back to March when when uh, this was all announced, I guess, globally. And uh, we went into quarantine. And I, um, I actually had... Uh, you know, and I didn't gloat about it, but I had one of the most beautiful quarantine experiences. <laughs> I was four months in Papaya Playa, three and a half months um, with my, my daughter and, and her boyfriend and family. And um, so my experience there was great. And in that time, uh, Papaya had been set up as a hub for the dispensaries that were going to be distributed throughout the community. So there was a great crew there that were putting together um, these bags, you know, that we were lining everything up and putting them in bags and, and they were getting taken out on the trucks. I think at the end, we ended up doing 4,000 bags of dispensaries for the, for the people. And at that time, I think the wave of the, um, reality was the world's shutting down and tourism is going to suffer. And we all rely on tourism. In fact, there isn't another resource that comes out of Tulum. It's 100% tourism. We don't have agriculture here. We don't. So so when I left Papaya in just the beginning of July, I came into the Pueblo. And that reality was when, uh, when I saw, sort of saw the severity of, you know, the economic breakdown that's happening. And you could actually, the, the poverty was palpable, you know. And um, the community had some stations set up for food distribution. There was, there was a great crew that um, provided. The dispensaries were going through different groups now. So, so there was a help around. There was a, a sense of, like, we're going to get through this. But the, uh, the, it, the future looked bleak. Then fast forward to mid-August, and all of a sudden, all the borders closed everywhere else except Mexico. So what did that do? That just led this flood of people that came. And typically, um, August and especially September is, is like you, you sleep for a month. There's, there, it's quiet and it's lovely because we get our beaches. The locals get their beaches to themselves. Prices of everything have come down. There's, um, it, it's, it's just a special time if you save money, you know? <laughs> and, um, so all of a sudden we started to notice a real influx of tourism. So this hope came. We all were like, this is better than, than we've ever had a September or an August. You know, this is, we have no Europeans, um, which we all love here. And we love our Americans. We love, we're all from everywhere, you know. But we had this specific kind of traveler that was like, get me the F out of America. I'm coming here. And uh, what that brought was um, 
a boost to the economy, absolutely, undeniable. Um, we are definitely focused more on the long-term traveler right now, the person who's who's not here for a week to experience, you know, a nice hotel on the beach and, and a cenote tour and into some wellness. We have the digital nomads. So that, you know, is welcomed, but it also brought this sort of, let's just say it, this white privilege here. You know, where's the best Wi-Fi? Uh, I'm a local now. So, you know, I've been living here for a month. So I want a discount. Oh, I don't want to go on your tour for $100. Um, I live here now. Give it to me for fit. So all of this started being sort of, that was the, the tema, as they say, the, the temperature that was happening here. So we now um, uh, have seen what you know, what has, I can't say blossomed isn't the right word, what's erupted from uh, from Mexico opening its borders and sort of not having a plan. Uh, it seems the government is changing its, its tune every day. We have these uh, stoplights of like green, yellow, orange, red. And now after Art With Me, um, we're actually possibly looking at another dry law, which is um, alcohol ban, as well as uh, uh, going back into red. And red is like, that's the top. That's the top. So, so it's really, it's how there are, what's also happened is the, the type of traveler has changed. So what for us used to be the wellness people, yoga retreats, many great spiritual people. It's now kind of riddled with, um, you know, the burners who, you know, God bless them. We were all one at one point, but um, the depth is just like, you know, it's a little, it's a little different, you know, there's something for everybody. and, And I understand I have my own opinion about, you know, it's just the type of traveler has changed. How businesses are doing now, the beach is flourishing. I'm sure they are wiping their asses with lots of dollars. You know, the owners of hotels and restaurants. The traffic is horrendous. So, um, you, yeah, so you, you learn to to abide by the rules. We have to have some sort of, you know, the rules are the rules. Life has rules. <laughs> but, um, yeah, there a lot of them are broken here. And Art With Me um, is, uh, is, it's a very interesting uh, perspective of, of there's, there's uh, rather, there's so many perspectives on who was to blame. Um, I think the people that really, and, and I could fall under this category, I think the people that were like, you know what, some people see this as a pandemic, some people see this as a pandemic, and um, everyone has their right to see it their way. But the colliding of the two has, has uh, you know, the resistance was there from one group and the push was there from the others of let us dance, let us rejoice, let us move on and let's do an event. So just being sort of neutral for, for the purpose of that in this moment, 
Um, I, I can understand both. Uh, and, and yet, you know, we have to also, but I lean more towards you guys were a bunch of fucking assholes to, to throw this event. Excuse my French, but it's, it was really kind of in a, in a way, a slap in the face to everybody else who followed the rules. That's what it is. And then it turned, it really turned on them because it brought the kind of attention and, you know, some fools will say, well, any publicity is good publicity, but I don't buy that. I don't buy that, um, that way of looking at this. I, I think that it was foolish and um, it just was not the time. It was not the time to go ahead and, you know, plow through this. Let's just do this and let's show. And all the protocols that they wrote, you know, we're going to, nothing was followed. Nobody, and I guess maybe I, I didn't go to the event personally. That was my sort of like boycott that. But um, uh, I know that nobody was forced to wear a mask. Nobody, uh, you know, uh, so, so the result is what we are all seeing. This uh, like, wow, how many articles? I mean, it even hit CNN. And that was really what happened with Tulum. And the that boom that we saw four years ago, five years ago, was when the New York Times wrote on Hartwood. And it's so amazing that we can just point to one moment and say that's when everything changed. And so now what we're seeing is all of these, most of the the bloggers that are here and all of that. Well, now everybody's kind of following suit. And it's the hate on Tulum campaign. You know, it's overcrowded. It's overdone. It's not spiritual. It's not, you know, it's too, it's so expensive. So here we are. (laughs) Right. And there's another one. um, Now they're talking about Zamna or Zamna. Zamna is canceled. 100, 100 canceled. Um, And, and, you know, the the event producers um, issued a statement, uh, you know, uh, to the to, because they, they left everybody wondering. It was a sold out event. Well, it's not one event. It was several up until January 16th with, you know, globally recognized DJs. Um, and Zanna is a is exactly what Tulum never wanted. That's how I sum up. And you're talking to, you know, a DJ who loves music, who loves celebration. Um, I I just feel there's a right way to do it here. And in that environment, um, in this man-made cenote that they have there, um, and what it brought was, it was ugly. Last year was ugly. We all know that the cartel has the biggest presence here um, that we've ever, ever, ever seen ever. And that was one of the reasons why I left Santanera and not Santanera, but left Playa del Carmen to make that change over to Tulum was the day that a cartel member, you know, said, Hey, Nancy, you're the DJ. And I was like, Oh, they know my name. So 
um, it's time to flutter a little more south, you know? Um, and we, the, the cartel presence, now you, the last time you were here, I don't think you will, if, when you come back, uh, they are everywhere on the beach. Everywhere. Every place, every bathroom, uh, every outside, it's coca, coca, marijuana, coca, you want drugs, you want drugs. And the crime has, uh, has, has risen, you know, everything that comes with that is here. It's been less than a year that I've been there. That's crazy. Yeah. So when you walk outside of Gitano, when you walk outside of all those wonderful little boutique places that we have and, and love and frequent, it's riddled with, um, with dealers. Wow. Well, I think this is actually a good segue into our next topic, which is taking all your experience of being in Tulum for nearly 20 years. So, um, there's a, there's a lot to discuss and you've kind of started with it and I just want to go a little bit deeper and then hear everything that you have to say. So as Nancy was saying, you must go. Tulum is beautiful and has a unique vibe. As Nancy said, I spent time there last year, um, right after New Year's. I plan on returning. Um, when we booked our trip, I had no idea that New Year's and the two weeks after are some of the most busiest times of the year. And I say that because despite that, despite the crowds at the time, we had an awesome time. Um, yeah. Um, but it has changed dramatically over the last decade. Um, I've heard stories about how, you know, 30 years ago or X amount of years ago, you could rent hammocks on the beach for $10 a night. And uh, now you can rent a villa on the beach and pay 8000 a night if you had the money to do that. Tulum has grown fast and the town hasn't been able to keep up. Um, I'm going to run down just some of the biggest infrastructure issues and they all happen to pertain. I'm talking about the beach and hotel zone right now. So there's no electricity. So there are lots of generators to run all the air conditioners in these hotels, no adequate sewer system. That means waste has been leaching into the water supply under Tulum and out to the ocean out to the sea, um, in turn killing the coral reef. Um, traffic, very busy, very, very busy on a small dirt road. One side you've got the jungle, one side you've got the beach. There are barely any trash cans on beaches, so that trash ends up in the sand many times. Also, Tulum's landfill is overflowing. And still, I want to really stress this, it's an incredibly beautiful place that I I encourage people to visit. It is so unique. If you're listening to us, do not get distracted by the the realness that we're bringing because most importantly, we want you to visit. It truly is an amazing place. And now is the time to go before even more people go. So if you visit, respect and honor this special place while you're there. Um, Nancy, touching on this a little, you'll notice lots of construction sites along the beach and jungle. Some started by independent people looking to relocate and lead a new life in Tulum. So others are started by these large developers, and these developers are banking on the growing number of tourists in what used to be a quiet beach town. So Nancy, I'd love for you to tell us what Tulum was like when you first arrived, how it's changed, and your hope for its future. Also, what life as an expat there looks like, 
And selfishly, I'd love to know the process. What was it like on becoming an expat and starting a business there? Okay. Well, um, what it was like, uh, especially when I was still living in Playa, uh, it was what you described. The $10 little huts, you know. Melissa Amansala always tells a great story. Um, you know, she's, she's, uh, her business is just blossom. She's, she's got Gitano, she's got Amansala and all these other little places. And she's, she's a business like hero. She's, um, but she always says, you know, I started with the cabana and I bought two curtains. <laughs> and so Tulum used to be exactly that the 300 pesos a day. Um, I could walk for, kilometers and not see a person you know it was that and there were just yeah there were just a few little spots and um the fishermen were here and um my my partner Pakal who um was born and raised here on the beach you know um in fact a lot of the kite surfers and paddlers that I'm in in my group my little family here they were actually born on the beach. So uh, they have some amazing stories. You know, mine only go back 20 years, but um, I first visited this region in 95 when my daughter was born. Um, but uh, yeah, it, so it was this special place. So when, when I made that move from to Playa to Tulum, even 10 years ago, it still was rocky road and um i think the only thing that remained the same was the the price from the taxi from super aki to the to the beach was 100 pesos 10 years ago and it's 100 pesos today <laughs> um just for locals from that just to get to papaya that was always like 100 pesos that hasn't changed but wow um, the development is, uh, it's, it's incredible. And, you know, it started like Koki Koki and, um, some of these beautiful places that were built, um, Playa Azul and uh, Posada La Mar and Posada del Sol. They were these charming, um, the, 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 and it was very European influenced and, um, but it, it really retained the charming uh, Caribbean beach vibe, you know, and I've spent many years in the West Indies and um, you know, that has its own kind of charm, but there was a special unique charm and uh, Koki Koki and uh, were were really amazing in sort of uh, the influence that they had in the design which, of course, when something's cool, it's copied. And when it's copied by people with phenolino taste, I like to say phenolino, um, it works. But now, I mean, we have bagatelle. We just got a bagatelle on the beach. So um, the bigger chains have come in. Um, all of the developers will tell you, most of them will tell you that they're following the uh, the uh, allotted space that you can get. Jackie, 
um, sorry, dogs. We're at, I'm at one of the houses of Help Tulum Dogs, which I have to plug here. So this is reality. Yeah, Rochelle is part of Help Tulum Dogs. They foster, and oh, these women are, are incredible. They're my heroes. Um, but so, so, the, the, so the, now you, I, I equate what you will see today is more like Bangkok. Oh, there's a little strip here. Let's throw something in there. But there's still some amazing places like that. It's really eye candy in the sense for me personally, when I go to the beach, I love looking at people. I could people watch. I'll be a great old lady on the bench one day. But I really am amazed at some of the architecture that's happening Okay, so let's let's go deeper into the foundation of that. What's it built on? Well, that jungle side is Manglar. And that Manglar is all connected to a million hectares of its own ecosystem of the Siankan biosphere, which is a vital, vital, uh, essential part of our, our entire system here on the peninsula. And our foundation is a peninsula that has a limestone base with, a, you know, basically a river system underneath us. So I've seen it two times in the 20 years that I've been here of a developer not doing their due diligence, building on land and having a whole building collapse. I've visually seen it twice. What I probably don't hear, and you know, I'm not in the, I'm not in a, I'm not an architect. I'm not in the government. I don't hear. I'm imagining it's happening quite often. So, uh, yeah, we we are seeing um, the deforestation, uh, the black water that some hotels will tell you they're they're doing um you know it's funny now everybody's um you know the expat groups they're like oh they, you know i went to this restaurant they're burning copal it's so beautiful i'm like yeah they're not burning it for the mosquitoes they're burning it to cover the smell of the shit that's going into the, like it's not a funny I, I shouldn't be laughing but you know it's it's the reality it's the reality um what i see what I what is what has birthed here from this are some truly uh, wonderful groups, Tulum Sostenible, um, No Mas Plastic with Heather. Um, there's so many groups that are coming together, and um, first of all, educating, because that's really where it has to start. With um, you know, my daughter, she came home from school at three and four years old. She taught me about um, recycling, you know? And so that, that is going to start to be, we're starting to see more uh, school programs where, you know, there's the, the helping the kids on the street and they're teaching these kids, these things. So they're going to bring that home and we're going to hopefully in five and 10 years, see that switch over that most, let's say first world countries, we all remember. 25 years ago when the green basket came, you know, to the, every household in a city. So I, I hope that we will see that change in five to 10 years for that to kind of take over. And I pray 
that we haven't done enough damage to not sort of reclaim some, you know, we need a good infrastructure. And it's what happened to Playa. Playa was, you know, Fifth Avenue was 10 blocks long and a few beautiful hotels. But then all of a sudden in came Mandala and they wanted to play their music next to hotel. So there wasn't proper zoning. So this is really a governmental, um, this is, this is made for the government. This is their job. And, uh, you know, without being, um, well, politically incorrect or incorrect, you know, politically correct, uh, we're lacking in a good solid government um, that is uh, for the betterment of our environment and for, um, you know, the growth that's coming in. It really has to be, it has to be restructured. Um, I'm hoping, I have hope because look, I've reinvented myself about nine times like a cat. I don't have it in me anymore. I'm 53 now. Like, you know, I don't have it in me for reinvention. So I really, um, I really hope that I, I'm going to uh, be in a town that is is going it, to, it's bringing some good people. The expats that are, some of the expats that are coming, they're coming with concerns. They're coming with the right attitude. Um, but it's, it's full. I just feel like we're full. You know, when Bali just opened their um, uh, their tourism or like, you know, they were issuing visas. I put a big post on Facebook and I said, Bali's open. You can go there (laughs) even after all my bitching and all because it really has something that and I've been around the world. Literally, it has something that a lot of places don't. And. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, historically, uh, we're walking on, on really sacred land, you know, we're walking on super sacred land and um, bless us all and and that we get to be here. And, uh, you know, I do look at the, the situation outside of our country that I live in now, Mexico, and I see a lot of suffering and I see a lot of businesses and I see a lot of economies failing and um, I feel blessed and, and I don't feel blessed because my business isn't like, wow, it's not like I'm swimming in a lot of money. Um, But I feel blessed that, that opportunities have come for people here. Uh, I'm seeing a lot more entrepreneurship, in some of the locals, which is really cool. You know, the ladies are baking and cooking and and out there selling their food. Um, A lot of them are getting work from, from, you know, the expats coming here too. So all in all, I, I do have hope. And where I see Tulum is I don't, everybody always says, it's gonna become the next playa. Well, you know, we said that about Cancun when we were in Playa, you know, we were always afraid. Um, it never becomes what it it will become what it's it, it's going to become. It's not like somewhere else. I still to this day love Playa del Carmen. I always say to people, it's got clean streets. The services have been input. The government is, it's the same government, but the municipal government level, um, 
I have every service I could ever imagine in Playa del Carmen. I've got choices of any restaurant, of any anything, anything I want, you can get in Playa. And they just did it right That in that sense. You know, um, there's every service. And there's great business owners, too. Um, I, we have that here. We have a lot of heart and soul. A lot of people who run their businesses here are just incredible people. So we are going to become what we are going to become. Not We're not going to be Playa. We may look like Playa a little bit, but we're not Cancun. Playa is not Cancun. Tulum is Tulum. And, um, you know, it's expanding in the sense that we're, you know, seeing communities like you spoke about the the, the garbage um, disposal, the, the dump, the garbage dump, which that's what it literally is. Um, uh, that region called Makario Umai, um, which everybody says there's, where do you live, Makario or Umai? They're split by a block. So I just call it all the same thing, you know? Um, but they are, uh, that community is thriving um, lots of de- nice development happening there. Um, so it's not that I'm against growth. I just really would want it to be better planned. Uh, urban, urban planning, you know, real urban planning. We are, it's inevitable. We as humans are going to infiltrate every beautiful corner and you know, it, it's, it's happened. It's happened everywhere especially in beautiful destinations that are holiday destinations, typically for us expats. Um, I just really, really, I pray on it that we see it with some real substantial urban planning and um, environmental concerns. How hard was it for you to start a business there? What was that process like? Oh, well, I partnered with a wonderful Mexican. I always say I've got the best business partner in Tulum. <laughs> His family, um, first of all, are uh, they own several hotels on the beach road and everything they developed has always been, um, in my perspective, like just really well done. They're good people. So I, um, I started with Pacal. And Pakal uh, is Mexican, so we were. I was able to start the corporation with him, and and yeah, so that process um, was not difficult at all, not difficult at all. So for people coming in now, pe- someone listening who's like, "Oh, I'd love you know to go start a business in Tulum," it it's. Would you say that you need, like a lot of the large developers, there's so much money and they can just throw it at that. Can someone who just, I don't know, is that still possible? Absolutely. That is absolutely possible. Now, this is a really hot topic right now. And you'll notice it in the expat forums is, especially with the digital nomads, most of them are working um, from out with outside companies. So there's no legality there. You can take your Wi-Fi and sit and work all day and live in Mexico. Um, What a lot of people are doing is getting their six months coming here and saying, you know, going on Facebook and saying, oh, hi, I'm looking for a job. Really? Okay. (laughs) So if a Mexican went to the States (laughs) and went in California and on a Facebook forum said, hey, I'm Mexican, I'm here looking for a job. I mean, everybody would be like, 
call immigration, get them deported. So that it's it's very one sided, but there is a process and it is actually, I guess some people think, and like I did, like when I first came to Mexico and I was DJing, I didn't have my working papers. You know, I'm, I'm going to be straight up about that. I, I'm a, I, you know, I can't be a hypocrite. Uh, straight up. I, I did it for several years. Um, and whatever it was. A- and you just get paid under the table and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, um, it was a different temperature there though. It was, um, you know, um, it was, there were, it wasn't, I really never felt like I was coming in and taking a job of a local, especially at the time, a DJ in like 2003, 2004. And the female one at that was not a regular thing that, you know, Jose was doing. So, um, so there is, I have a wonderful woman who uh, I, she's called legally in Mexico. Her name is Millie Arceo. Millie has helped hundreds with the process of um, either starting a business, opening a corporation, um, and it is not as daunting as people think it is. When we think of immigration, we, you know, what do we see? We see the kids in cages and it's going to be so hard. You have to, you have to, you know, smuggle your family in to get to a country to make opportunity. Mexico loves getting expats here. Um, Mexico loves, you know, opening its doors. And I love Mexico for that, you know, but it, the process is not as hard as people think, um, you know, uh, like I said, if you're that person who's like, you know what, I wanted to live in paradise. I, you know, now with the 2020, I've seen that maybe big city living isn't for me. Maybe the weather isn't for me anymore. I think it's very feasible, um, to, you know, reach out to Millie or anyone you find online that's, that's recommended and just start the process. Just start looking into, um, it's always good to ask like what services might be missing or if you have something that's your passion, like, which is my motto, you know, you, you come and do your passion and you're, you know, for the first two years of my business, carrying 25 pound boards over my, over my five foot frame, hundred pounds and, and a 25 pound board off of a Chevy Tahoe and clients not showing up or, you know, I I mean, for the first two years, everybody said, give that up, give it up. Even my mother was, she was like, go back to DJ, you know? And, um, I just, I, uh, the reinvention part was like, I didn't have plan B. I knew I wanted to change and I was, and, but what I also had was my passion and I had my vision and I knew somewhere I was going to get this through to people that taking your yoga out on water in the Siangkong biosphere, like, hello, hello people. I mean, if you don't, if you don't know what the Sancon biosphere is, just Google it right now. Pause us just so you can bring it up and and look at what we're talking about. It is for those of you listening, um, when you're on the beach road of Tulum, you'll get to the very end and you'll reach what we call the Arco, the arch, which is the official entrance of the world UNESCO heritage site of Tulum. 
you will drive. And the club that I worked for, Santanera, opened a beautiful, I, I can't wait to take you there. It's not open this season, but I'll take you there. <laughs> You'll be the VIP with me. Um, uh, you you drive through and um, you already, it already, it's almost like that. You just go, oh. The, the road is, is sometimes incredibly bad, but it's, but it's just this adventure. And you enter into maybe half a kilometer down. You'll start to see a lagoon on one side and split by a road with the Caribbean Sea on the other side. You can go 60 kilometers down to like to Punta Ala and even further. And it is in its entirety, um, a million hectare, a million hectares with over 400 species of everything from egrets to pelicans, to uh, crocodiles, to dolphins, to it is, I always say, if you come to Tulum and you haven't been into the Siancam biosphere, you have not come to Tulum. Yes. And, and honestly, the roads, we were, we had a little, we did not have a truck. We had a, a little, little small two-person car and we drove to Punta Allen and the roads weren't as bad as we thought at all. No, they're they're they get much better when they get bad. It's just during um hurricane season, which is June to November, and we get a lot of rain, so the the potholes come. But um, Khan, which is Santanera's Rob Garza and that crew, and and Alberto and Alejandro, they opened Khan. They have a property there, and they opened this with Hugo Duran as the chef, um, who's incredible. But if you were to just walk by without it being open um, and you were just to walk by without people and you'd look, you'd you'd just say, oh, that's a shack. It's a really cool shack. But what comes out of that shack and what they've done? And it's just this, I, I love them for this, is they left it in this naked beauty and just put their little touch in it. But, um, but, and that is Sian Khan. Sian Khan has some, like that's where you can rent the, you know, Mick Jagger Villa, you know, as they say, or the, um, you can rent. Um, there are some gorgeous properties, like over the top rentals that, I mean, architecture, it even blows architectural digest away sometimes when I see the designs. They're gorgeous. So there's something for everyone on the beach. Um, there, there, there's still some camping that happens on the, on the um, public side of the beach, which is when you come down that main road, you can take the right turn or you can take the left. And there's, there's something for everyone and there's something for everyone's budget. So yeah, when we do hear of the places, Oh, it's $800 a night. Well, that, that exists on the beach. That is definitely, that is, that is there, but there's also, you know, a hundred and fifty dollars a night, and then there's thirty dollar camping. So, um, what many travelers are doing now is staying in town. Airbnb is a whole new hotel here. You know, so we're seeing that, and and that it has also brought the influx of oh, 
I, okay, uh, my parents just, you know, I got my inheritance or I sold one condo. I'm going to put that 200 grand. I'm going to get myself a rental property and, and make money from Tulum. So that happens here a lot too. Well, I want to go into the music scene um, because, again, one of the big attractions in Tulum, at least as of recently, um, the music festivals, the full moon parties, it's a total vibe. Uh, DJs from around the world host events there. Uh, I attended one last year. I had no idea at the time of booking, but I stayed at Habitat's Tulum, and they had a they had a huge festival one night. It was a uh, Mayan something, um, but it was a it was basically a fundraiser, an annual fundraiser that they have for the burners. Um, so, so anyway, we didn't we didn't know about it. Isn't that nice when that happens when you chance upon you know yeah. And that, that Tulum is full of that. Tulum is full of that. You're right. So, yeah. So they gave us three tickets. So um, it was awesome. Um, these, and it is, it's one of those things, you know, unique is probably a word that we've said a million times during this podcast, but it's one of those things where unless you've attended and heard amazing music by a D- DJ on the beach and it's warm and the moon is out. It's a vibe. It's, it's a vibe. Oh, oh, it's a vibe. It's a vibe. Drugs or no drugs. It's a vibe. Right. Right. Yeah. With, we were not on drugs. I, I you know, and it was a vibe. Um, I mean, my husband doesn't even dance. I think in the eight years we've been together, he does not dance. We were both dancing. We just had to. It was, it takes you over, you know? So, so these, these festivals and these parties are amazing. Um, They also bring in a lot of money to the local economy. And you already touched on this, Nancy, but of course, with most music festivals, drugs usually involved. And you were talking about how you know, these guys who are saying Coke, weed, Molly, they were outside of the clubs when I was there, but now I guess they've infiltrated perhaps the beaches and different places around, even even during the day, perhaps. Um, so yeah, so these guys are connected to the cartel. Robberies and shootings happen on occasion, like in any city. With the fast growth of Tulum, it's really no surprise. Um also, there have been reports of the cartel demanding monthly money from local restaurants and businesses in order for them to stay open. It sounds like for some people there, they think if the parties and festivals left Tulum, then the drugs and cartels would also leave. Personally, I felt extremely safe the entire time I was there. I'd love to see some dispensaries there. Um, Mexico has some headway with legalization of marijuana. Mexico is making some headway. Because if I'm in the mood to smoke some weed, I don't want to support the cartel, but I'd love to support a local farmer or grower. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm all for that. Yeah. And unfortunately, all of us here who, you know, even for um, for medicinal purposes or just, you know, want some herb, you kind of, you kind of have to get it from them, you know? So it's like, oh... And there are smoke shops there, though. Like, we were in shops. There's the 420 smoke shop. There's the 420. That sold everything but the weed. (laughs) Right? 
right? So basically, Nancy, as a DJ, I just felt like you were the perfect person to ask. Um, Again, multi-questions here. Are there too many DJs coming to Loom? Are there too many parties or festivals? Does the Tulum bubble need to be popped in order to save Tulum from cartels, drugs, you know, just being another party circuit stop? Or are these headlines that we see misleading and local businesses, do they actually love what Tulum has come in some way due to its thriving economy? Oh, I, you know what? I, I, I love this question because, um, first of all, you go anywhere and lighting and music make an atmosphere. No two if answer buts. The food can be shitty. The drinks can be watered down. But if the lighting and the music is good, it can create something. So in saying that, are there too many DJs in Tulum? I think there's too many DJs in the world, but whatever. I, I, it takes me at about three minutes to sit in front of any DJ any, in anywhere in the world, but especially here in Tulum, and go, this person knows what they're doing, or this person's like, shouldn't be playing. So it's up to the hotel owners to also choose wisely. And to not get that, you know, oh, I'm here, let me bring my friends in, pay me 50, 500 pesos and I'll pack your place. Um, but Tulum has been the hub for, and, I, and I'm really going to give credit to Rob Garza, Thievery Corporation, and, uh, and Alberto. Santanera built that foundation to host class DJs in in the Yucatan Peninsula, Punto, in Mexico. Even uh, greater than some of the clubs in Mexico City. To me, Santanera was the pioneer of opening that opportunity for the people who are living and traveling to Mexico and for DJs. So it became a hotspot. And... What followed is it's kind of like the story of what first came to Tulum, these great little boutique things. And then, you know, so what followed was BPM, the uh, the festival in Playa, which Tulum was always the, the resting place for all of us. You know, oh, we had a big party. Let's go to Tulum and relax. So when BPM happened and the last one, was fatal. We all know that in um, Playa del Carmen, five or six people were killed, um, uh, cartel related. Um, and then in that, in, in that moment, you know, we can remember what moment it was, that moment, hence they all started to move here. And that's when Zamna was created. That's when, you know, um, Damien Lazarus had already, yes, in 2012, he did his thing here, but all of day zero and all of this. So, so it, it, so it wasn't one outfit coming to do a quality show. It was everybody and their grandmother. BPM had to leave town, but, but they were just uh, the opportunity. People were starting producers, event producers were starting to see the potential of the Mayan Riviera being a destination for music events, large festivals, you know? So, so Tulum that next year 
which was maybe six years ago, could have been not a time. I'm out of my, my, like my, my dates, but um, that brought the like one or two producers produced a a beautiful new year's papaya had their gorgeous full moon and their new year's Eve celebration. Maybe one or two other hotels did something, you know, Nomade had then opened up and they were having their own celebration down at the other side of the beach And it was all sort of a workable situation in that it, it, like you said, it brought the economy, it brought it up, and then every place followed suit. So now you've got every place that has a DJ, and I I don't mind music, but I think a lot of us who go on holiday too. I love hearing my beats, but you know what? In the day, and this is a message actually, if any DJs in Tulum are listening, bring back some reggae guys. Let's get some reggae happening on the beach again. Let you know, like I even can't hear 24 seven and I'm, uh, you know, a DJ. So, uh, but you know, it, so now where we're at is, um, we're here now with COVID today with events being canceled. Um, and we can't go on bashing um, these campaigns of like, Oh, the DJ and the events and they're so bad. And it, you know what done it with quality and done right. I think it's a beautiful addition to Tulum. And I think many people come here to release and to dance and music brings us together. You know, music really brings us together. And people like, um, you know, Mar Deleva was was born here with with Bogdan and um, uh, and one of the owners of Habitas. Um, you know, they they now have this beautiful quartet of electronic with with the violin, and uh, and it's just magic, and it is magic. And it adds even to all more of the magic that we have here. So I think that that's a very, a very big point that, you know, music is going to be a part of Tulum. Um, We have places like Bate in town, the Martini Bar, that host the myriad of incredible national as well, national um, musicians that we have. We have Pompa, who is like, he's a music teacher. He's hes a true music teacher. And he's a talent. We've got singers from around the world coming. We've got, there's sax players. There's, you know, I'm not just that we have to have, we can have jazz festival here. We could have a reggae festival here. It doesn't always have to be. But I think music is really a crucial part of the development of Tulum and we can't lose that. We just, we have to refine the way it's done, where it's done and some rules. Yeah, no, no, it sounds, and, and you want to do it before, you know, people talk bad about Ibiza sometimes and, and different places like that, you know, like, Oh, you know, you, you want to preserve at just the right. It's all about timing, you know? Well, I think with people like you speaking out and Rob Garza and, all, you know, everyone uniting, there's no doubt you can do that. Yeah, I mean, Mayan Warrior, um, the um, now do me with um, the uh, 
Wuman and all of the, 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 the really quality festivals that were, were popping up here. I think they are super conscious people and have sort of said, we got to reinvent the wheel here a little bit. And what we're going to start seeing, and we already are seeing, and I'm so, so happy about this, is the wellness aspect being added to these festivals, you know? So we have, we have uh, ecstatic dance, there's yoga sessions, there's, there's all of the, the, the wellness programs that um, some of the hotels are choosing to incorporate with what we'll say, the oomphy oomphy DJ, you know? And, and you know what? I would, I would, as a dancer and just a participant, I mean, I think that's a great week away. You go to a beautiful paradise, you get to do some wellness, you get to dance, and you get to be in Tulum on the Caribbean Sea. I mean, that's a great holiday in my books. It was probably one of my favorite vacations. I mean, Habitas, it just felt right. And and that was my first time at a festival that large and as long as that, you know. I had been to some other ones, you know, in New York and stuff. But um, there was, you know, on the beach, it's very unique. And I, I have to say the way that they – it was very tasteful, the way it was organized, the Mayan warrior, you know, the event – so we could still, it, it was right there at the resort, but the way even the festival was laid out, it was very much carnival-like, you know, walking through. Wasn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it magic? Like, it, it, it really it really is. Um, and that's why, you know, what Burning Man's become, right? It's, it's just this, um, you know, and we all make fun of, we can all say like, oh God, it's like Burning Man here. But it's not that Burning Man's a bad thing, you know? Um, uh, but I really think that it's uh, there's some great independent producers that are, um, you know, for instance, now I, 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 we're going to start to see a lot more Marcus Wyatt here, you know, who now look at the reinvention. It's beautiful. He he's world class. Come on. Marcus Wyatt is like. He's deep house in a, in a sentence, you know, and, and he's now incorporating his wellness program into um, he's reinvented himself. You know, I think all of us that were in music for so long always had this depth of, Hey, we got some soul, you know, we got some soul and that transferred for me to like, Boga yoga and 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 doing that and for a lot of these DJs now they're they're st- they're starting to like they have another way to pass their message on you know and they're f- and the and the reinvention is is quite beautiful um, I even with Rob Garza he's you know he was touring all last year and look now he's 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 you know he's doing music for yoga classes like. <laughs> Right. So, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it's it, I, I think we all know that nothing can stay the same. There, It's constant change. And um, some of us resist it. And I definitely have been, uh, you know, like I my 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 description of myself, I've been salty. Um, but I made a conscious choice to like, I can't control 
the changes that are happening around me that I don't agree with. So how is Nancy going to adapt to this and make it work for myself so that I can, I can be a a person that's content, you know, and I lost a little bit of that um, lately with just, and I'm sure you can relate, you know, you didn't walk in to your business on March 1st thinking anything that you weren't thinking outdoor heaters and, and being the bouncer and the mask, you know, enforcer. And so adaptability is, I think, um, something we all need to really be conscious of. And I, I, I am, this is more of a promise to myself, but I got to be much nicer online. I've been a little nasty. <laughs> so I, I wanted to, yeah. So when you reached out about this podcast, I thought, you know what, this is the perfect opportunity um, to really represent. I, I really thought a lot about it. And I, I really wanted to represent um, not just Nancy's opinion. I really wanted to represent what I'm, I'm speaking for. I think a lot of people. And I think that we all know as locals here, the change is inevitable But if it's going to happen, let's just be conscious and let's do it right. So as travelers coming, leave the expectations behind. The Wi-Fi isn't great. Um, It's like when you travel anywhere in the world, you know, when in Rome, right? So, yeah, it's cool, though. It's still paradise. So I want to go back to 2016 um, and talk about the hotel takeovers that happen on a stretch of beach in Tulum. I, I want to talk about it just because it happened. I don't think many people know about it. And also just kind of moving forward, um, being being tourists who are aware of where they're staying and who they're supporting. So that's kind of the angle um, in educating people about this that I'm taking here. Um, to me, it's fascinating. Uh, there, this is something that has been happening for decades there, and I'm sure it happens in many places around the world. For here, the controversy is connected to land ownership. It's affected many all over the West Coast of Mexico. In the 70s, the Mexican government distributed 25,000 acres of land around Tulum to local Mayan farmers who didn't own any property. At, this, at the time, this land was a jungle. Over the years, these farmers, in some cases, sold their land multiple times to different buyers. As the years flew by and more tourists arrived in Tulum, some powerful families in Mexico started to claim the land. So in some cases, hotel owners ended up buying their properties two or three times. Others who couldn't afford to play this game left their land. Then in 2016, hundreds of men, some with machetes, walked down the beach and forced tourists out of hotels and forced hotel owners to leave their property. 17 hotels were taken over that day. Official court orders were used in this takeover. Now, I think we spoke at some point already. Hotels can generate a lot of money in Tulum. Um, I read an article where one hotel owner claimed that he made $1.5 million every month. Um, Nancy, you were back, they were there back in 2016. How did those evictions affect Tulum business owners then? And today, as we're about to enter 2021, is anyone still afraid of losing their property? Also, how can 
us visitors support groups who are the rightful owners of land, is there any any way to know when booking? Yeah. Okay. So 2016, you're uh, you're you're an amazing researcher. Exactly 17 hotels were were um, momentarily in the middle of. I think no, it was it was in the morning. It happened in the morning, and um, it was a shocking day. It was a shocking day for our entire community for all the tourists. Um, what you were talking about in is what have become the elhidetarios, which are the rightful owners of Punta Piedra, which is a long stretch. And they are the rightful owners of many kilometers of land, including this, some of the beach strip of Siancan. That has been sold many times to many people with many papers. It's one of the great mysteries in this country because there is a law on foreigners owning beachfront. So we, what, what happens is you get a fida camiso. So that fida camiso is a beneficiary that is a 99 year lease, let's say, you know, and, and, or that beneficiary is in your name. So as a, as a foreigner, we were able to purchase this land if you wanted inland or on the beach. Um, I really, I, to this day cannot say that I maybe know 30 hotels that are the rightful owners of the land. I could very confidently say equally 30 hotels that have no business being there. Here's a good example. Um, on the jungle side, uh, in between the stretch of Gitano and let's say down past Arca, there is a piece of land that every business that has tried, it fails. And not only that, I remember that land walking by my records in a record bag and it was 2 a.m. And I walked by that stretch of land and I looked at my boyfriend at the time and we both looked at each other and I said, did you feel that? And he said, I felt that. There's some sacred land here. And that spiritually will always be stronger than, you know, humans and what we can do with our money. And she has a way of, it's, I don't want to call it karma because it's not karma. It's just this, it's something greater than ourselves. So without getting too deep into that tangent, um, there are hotels, yes, that have every right to be there. They have their paperwork. They bought the land. They paid for their land and they got it legally. There's just as many who haven't. And um, it's creepy. It's creepy. You know, I just think any business built on that doesn't have a lot of depth to me. <laughs> you know, I mean, one could say, Nancy, you've been here for so long. How come you don't own this and that? I, that was never my 
and I, I could have been so like in the books, I could have been so much greater than I am with a lot more zeros behind me, but that wasn't my motivation. And I don't, um, I'm happy to see I'm a motivated person, you know, and I'm after success, but my success looks different than a lot of some others. So I'm happy to see that entrepreneur, entrepreneurial spirit coming here and saying, I want, but the, the, the way that a lot of this land was taken over, it's, it's just sad. It's not, a, it's not a nice story. And, um, so I'd be happy to share with listeners. Um, I, I did make what I call, um, you know, all about Tulum sort of, um, I have, uh, and based on a criteria of quality of food, for instance, my restaurant list, it's based on, on, on my experience eating there my experience knowing the people, um, my experience of sending clients there, you know, I, I always like, I get feedback. So it's not just Nancy's perspective, but I, I've made this list and it ha- it's like sort of the hot list. I'd be happy to share. It comes in a PDF file and I'd be happy to share that with listeners of my recommendations. And I don't recommend a lot of things, you know, to friends who come, they're like, where should I stay with? I'm like, I'm going to give you one restaurant and one hotel. That's all you're getting from me. But I, I realized, you know what? I got to go a little deeper. I, I know what uh, yoga studios are really good here. I know what yoga teachers are really good here. I know what restaurants are scammy. You know, they're just slimy scam. So I'm happy to share that, but maybe not broadcast. because You know, well, are there are people are business owners there? Do they think about that day back in 2016 still is it a fear um well you know uh here's uh, a year and a half later it was new year's eve um morning and um i was with pakal at our meeting point and we had about like 12 yogis to go take to the lagoon for new year's eve day uh floating yoga and pakal showed up and said they're taking my dad's land right now so I looked at him, I said, you go and I'll deal with the tour. <laughs> you know, that's a walk in the park. And, um, you know, there was a takeover of his father's hotel. And what was amazing that day was every hotel owner who had, had just sent some of them just been through this experience. Um, I'll never forget the, the video of, of Melissa from Abansala. Eso es terreno de Mario. This is the land of Mario. These, because they had the same thing. They had all these, you know, it looked like the jail from Cancun was let out. And these guys with machetes, um, they had already taken the safe. They had taken over the reception. I mean, when we say takeover, we really, I mean, it, they take over. In the June 17th one, or the June one that happened with the 17 hotels, they were already, in 20 minutes, they were stripping all of the air conditioners, and, and they were taking everything. I mean, so take, picture takeover as a real takeover. And the hotel owners that were surrounded on this once property, neighbors, vecinos, everybody came, and they out, they battled the bad guys. And Mario kept his land. So, you know, I think the experience of you guys came once, but you guys come again, we're going to fight. We're going to fight. So it 
it was a successful um, outcome. And I think the experience of that, of that 17 hotels back in 2016, that was, that was definitely in everyone's blood. The injustice. Again, silver, silver lining, injustice. No, you're not going to do that. Yeah, exactly. And it takes we the people. You know, it it really takes we the people and like the change that we want to see. That's why, like, you know, all these outfits, sometimes I feel so inadequate here because I I do get in my little bubble and it's like, Nancy, you know, Nancy. But I I see these incredible people help to lose dogs, no mas plastic. And, and, you know, I guess in my way, I'm sort of like the little voice that's right now. You know, it's working for me. So but but I want to get my hands definitely deeper into um, into helping the growth here and make it happen uh, because it takes we the people, you know, and Rochelle from Officially Aligned, she's like, yeah, don't talk about it. Do it. (laughs) So it's like that for you guys, too, and, and New Yorkers, you know, in your in in this battle right now of. Uh, like I, I hats off to you, restaurant owners. Honestly, it, uh, it not only is it one of the most difficult industries. Um, I always say my business. I don't have people complaining about bad food or bad service or um, that there was a bug in my room. You know, I don't have a hotel. I have a place where I bring people, and all they do is thank me. You know, so I'm so lucky. So I know what you guys, because I have family in the restaurant business, but I know what you guys go through. And now with all these new regulations and like Godspeed, you know, like, and you got to stick together and you're now this experience, maybe, you know, if something ever like this comes up again, I think you guys have all learned so much about what works and what doesn't work. Completely. Well. Well, let's go into the environment. Um, We already touched on some of these, but I want to talk about this because early on into my visit in Tulum, I took a yoga class one morning at Habitas and, and it was talked about and it was talked about in such a unique again, unique and uh, natural way. So um, according to officials, 80% of the cenotes in the Yucatan Peninsula have some level of contamination. Researchers have found traces of skincare products, cocaine, Viagra, ibuprofen. And I learned about this when taking that yoga class. Uh, The teacher encouraged us not to wear sunscreen or if you need to wear one that does not negatively affect the environment in Tulum. Huge. Huge. And I had never even thought about that, Nancy. So. Yeah, it's, it's, I get that. I mean, first of all, sunscreen for most people on the East Coast is, uh, you know, it's not something, it's just not in our, in our sphere all the time, right? The way we now we're living in that climate. Um, so sunscreen, there are so many products that are reef and eco and reef and water um, friendly. And that's uh, You can buy it here. You can bring it with you. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's a really big one. And, and I think one of the biggest ones is just bring your own water bottle. Please bring your own water bottle. 
That's what Elsa's teacher said, Heather. Heather, you know, you know Heather Henniger. Yeah, I know Heather. Yeah. Kundalini, Kundalini Heather. Yeah, we, we would never think that, right? So when you go on a trip, like when I go to Europe, I don't think I'm going to bring my water bottle. You know, it's it's kind of like what let's equate it to. We don't leave home without our mask down. You just don't. So you you don't travel without a, a plastic bottle. Punto. Period. Um, yeah. And especially because we have to buy our water here in Mexico. A lot of people don't understand that. Um, we take our long, hot showers and we, and where's the water coming from? It's coming from below, which like you said, contamination. And that comes from, well, those three party drugs you talked about, Viagra, cocaine, and what was the other one? Um, ibuprofen. Well, for the hangover. Those, those are the three party drugs. So um, the pre- prevalent party drugs here in Tulum. So um, that they noticed that after BPM tests were done in 2013 that were showing um, cocaine residue, like residual cocaine from the urine in cenotes. So that's another really big thing. Um, one of the, where we used to do our sup yoga before is this wonderful lagoon called Kanlu. So I was using this public lagoon. And six years ago, it was wonderful. You know, hardly anybody was there, but hey, it's packed now. But what do I feel when I go in there? I just feel like it's one big piss pot. And I know growing up, we all went into pools, like, well, I got to go. You just go. Like, we got to stop that. We got to stop that. And I think that, you know, research the cenotes that you're going to and support the ones that have bathrooms, that have showers, that um, are, you know, don't go to the greatest just because everybody's going there. If, it, if they're going there, make sure it's that it's a place because we all want to be able to, you want to be able to come back here and enjoy this place. I want to have my retirement here and, you know, walk down the street and say, wow, okay, we did it, you know? So we, we do the, the sunscreen's a big one. The plastic bottles is another big one. Um, and straws. And this goes back to the sewer system issues that we discussed earlier. So the Hotel Beach Zone is not connected to the city of Tulum's sewer system. So this large stretch of hotels with thousands of visitors rely on septic tanks, and that leads to a lot of waste ending up in the ground, seeping through that limestone you were talking about and entering the water. And then you also have the careless developers that have a negative impact on the environment, building too much on a lot, or in protected areas. Some developers pay bribes to get around those laws. Um, Also, something that I'm always hearing, the eco-chic hotels in Tulum, hotels that claim they operate sustainably. The place I stayed at was one of those. Some people believe that term's overused. Many places are not sustainable at all. I'm not sure where my hotel lands in that fight. Um, And then the music festivals that we briefly touched on could be perhaps another possible threat. I mean, they're loud. They create a lot of smoke and trash. There's laser beams. One could argue that noise and light pollution is happening there. Um, For for me, when I went outside to take a shower the next morning, the air was not fresh. There was a cloud of cigarette smoke and you could smell the beer and alcohol. 
but really the cigarette smoke was the worst part. So, you know, perhaps a form of air pollution. Um, I'm bringing up all these things, by the way. So, I mean, I mean, hello, I'm waving my hand. I, I contributed, you know, you know, I was a part of that, you know, (laughs) we got to talk about it. And then there's the seaweed and Nancy, I've seen you post hilarious yet sad things on Instagram from actual tourists. This was last year. I saw this complaining about the seaweed washing up on the white sand beaches and how it looks ugly and it's messing up their Instagram posts. And this started happening in 2015. Very large amounts of brown and red seaweed started washing up on the beaches At that point, hotels had to start removing the seaweed every single day, very similar to snow removal. And when I was there, they were still doing this every day. Um, Huge piles. We're talking huge piles of seaweed being shoveled and buried with sand. Um, Now, you, Nancy, as we've already told listeners, you're located way, 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 way far away from the hotel zone, thank goodness, in the CNCon biosphere. Now, this pandemic has given much of the planet a break with more people at home for an extended period of time. And I guess I want to know if the CNCon Reserve and Tulum have benefited from the break. Also, do you remember when seaweed started washing up on the beaches? I would just love to hear your thoughts on Tulum, the environment, where we go from here. Um, so there has always, it's, it's called the Sea of Sargasso, which is an offshoot off Brazil and, um, and, um, it, it's a traveling mass, right? And it's, I remember little, like, you know, when you have a shower and you lose some hair. <laughs> okay. So we used to have strands of, of sargassum. 30 years ago, 50 years ago, there was always a little bit of seaweed that it would just land and leave this little line. We always had it. Um, The environmental crisis of the planet, fast forward to 20, middle of between 2010 and 2020, and the increase um, of temperatures and this sargasm has has multiplied and multiplied and currents you know it, it it's nothing it's not a predictable thing you can't say whether it's coming we can see you know a, a satellite we can see where it's going but depending on currents so some years we get it and um we all as locals took a deep breath because we actually were like, okay, this is the signal and maybe less are going to come right now. And that's a kind of good thing. You know, that's when I was a little more salty about everybody, like "Ah, too many people, but so back to the environment, it, 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 it's a phenomenon and there are still so many studies going on. What is amazing though, through it is the um, studies are really starting to be able to say it's here. Now, how are we going to deal with it? And what are we going to do with it? Is it going to be another land dump 
or so you're starting to see the invaders come and um, there's symposiums that have happened here, like sargassum symposiums, you know, that are what, how, how is this government going to tackle this? Um, there's been everything from uh, the, the guards that were built that had some netting, which were affecting the natural, you know, the, 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 the flow of turtles and all of that. So there was, it, it's been a learning process for them as well as inventors to sort of abide by, let's give it like a square area where we can have our beachfront, you know, we'll, we'll catch it out there. And so it doesn't come to the shore. Um, so uh, we, I mean, knock on wood. I mean, with 2020 the way it was, I, I thought we were just going to be full of this brown stuff. I haven't seen the Caribbean more turquoise than, uh, I mean, I, this is more turquoise than my eyes. Like, the water is incredible. It's been incredible. But that doesn't mean that in a week, like two, three days, it can come. And so what happened during the pandemic in front of Papaya, where we have the kite school and where, you know, we have our paddles there, we, we were out on the water. What was incredible was from Cancun, all probably all the way down, but through our region from Cancun to sort of Mahawal, we were starting to see the wildlife. In fact, I even saw sharks, you know, which typically we get bull sharks, we get... But to see some bigger sharks in the water, um, the turtle season uh, usually gets really affected by the sargassum. Um, But this year, again, 2020, we thought it was going to be the worst. It was actually the silver lining. We didn't have the sargassum that we, um, we had some, but definitely not to the levels. Um, But it, it, I can imagine for a traveler, planning their turquoise holiday that's been on their screen, you know, their screenshot of their phone and then coming here and going, what the fuck? The water looks like brown shit. It looks like brown shit. It's not inviting. And you get this slimy feeling and you get scratchy and it's not, it's actually when it's drying on land, it is emitting a toxic, it's toxic. So, um, you know, I'm all about spirulina, but this algae is not really that welcome. But it is here, and I think we don't know enough yet, uh, like the experts. You know, I think they're still working out how to how to make this um, work, you know, work it with the way the environment is. And, and it's not just Tulum. It, it goes, it's right down to, it goes to the East Coast even, to off to you, but it goes to uh, Barbados, Jamaica, the Dominican Republic. It goes down, you know, down south as well. So it's just, it's a sad, but it, it's, it's where we're at. Right. Very interesting. Well, we are coming to the end of our time together. Um, I want to know, Nancy, what's the one thing that people should know about when it comes to Tulum right now? And also one thing that you are trying to accomplish in Tulum. Have that little ingenuity of being a warrior. 
in our lives and so many places of where we come from, you know, whether it's Europe or America or Canada, the UK, we're all so pampered. How, you know, the, the, what stumps me is that everybody comes and they write, where, where's the best taco place? Where's the best? Uh, I want the best. Uh, where can I get, where can I find, you know, get the little, get the warrior in you and just kind of go pound the pavement and go make your own experiences. I don't think there's a worse way for me to travel than by just reading all these reviews and, Hey, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to go to a place that everybody told me not to go to and, and learn, but I might also go to a place that, you know, was this, but I had my own experience and I loved it, you know? So I, I, I'd like to see more people be a little more independent, but also to, to ask those top three questions. Am I supporting a company here and locals? And is it helping the economy? And is it helping the right people? Is this going into the right pockets? Those three things, it's a short list. Make wise choices. Smile, have fun. Tulum is beautiful and it it will always have the magic. I don't think the magic will, you know, once the magic leaves you and your soul, I think you don't see magic anywhere. So you got to start, you got to believe in magic. To go along with what you're saying from being there, and, and this goes to being anywhere in the world, but I can speak to Tulum, you'll know right away. You can pick up on the vibes and the energy of the place. Exactly. Modern, I mean, uh, we have that in us and we can all sit here and go, oh, the Mayans or oh, the Egyptians or, hey, we're the same blood as them. We have everything that we all worship that they have. So let's we don't have to all look alike. We don't have to all dress alike. There's not a, there's not stop with this. I have to look a certain way to be in Tulum. You know, that to me is more sheep than everybody who thinks they're an individual, but we have all of these things inside of us. And if we turn more inwards and, and, and really trust that God gave us, God gave us all of these threads, multi-layered. And I have intuition. I have psychicness. You have that. Uh, we all have that. So for Tulum in specific, uh, on that spiritual level, you know, we don't go to a place to get spiritual. We are spiritual beings having a human experience, that old saying that's thrown around in every Pinterest, you know, but really, the words are true. And I think you come here, you be a warrior. Don't come here with fear. Fear breads fear. You know, don't believe everything you read. You know, ask questions, but have the adventure because this place really is. I mean, they're not getting rid of me. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not leaving. <laughs> well, Nancy, Thank you for sharing your story with us. And all of our listeners know I like to end by asking if there's any takeaway that you'd like to leave with listeners that can positively influence their lives. It could be something we just discussed, a pro tip, general life advice that you live by, Nancy. I think everybody should walk through the holidays, especially with just a softness and remembering that 
we are meant to be together connected right now. And I haven't felt that there's times it's been lonely, you know, it's this, this process for everyone, it's been emotionally very, very difficult. Yes. Well, and I think it's really, I, I like that you s- could speak on the loneliness. I don't think enough people talk and make that, um, normalize that. Yeah. I get lonely. I feel down sometimes. Yeah. You know, but I think it's really unique. Like you said, we finally connected on the 21st. This is the rebirth. We're entering, we're putting those intentions out and you just put those intentions out, you know, for, for all of us to share that, that connection we're, we're going towards that. So thank you for connecting all of us. Nancy, where can people follow you? We are on, I'm personally on Instagram with Sup Yoga Tulum. Our website is supyogatulum.com. And um, yeah, that's where you're going to always, always see the transparency. Um, I sugarcoat it with some really pretty pictures though. So it's worth following. Easy to digest. Right. And you can mute me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, subscribe to Have You Eaten wherever you get your podcasts.